Hi, and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. Jesus, a shout of praise tonight. Come on, you can do better than that. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is in this room today. And so, Lord, we just declare right now that, Lord, you are good. Lord, you're good. Lord, I believe every word we just sang. Lord, we didn't just sing it about you. We sang it to you. And Lord, I just ask right now that, Lord, you would permeate the atmosphere of this house, that, Lord, you would reveal Jesus to us in a deeper way, that, Lord, that you would draw us into a deeper place of intimacy with you, that you would bring us into a place that we've never explored, we've never discovered or uncovered about you. Lord, I pray that you would come as you want to come tonight, that you would do what you want to do tonight, that you would uh, interrupt and disrupt and, uh, and Lord, just begin to pour out, Lord, at any and every moment uh, in this meeting tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for coming out on a windy Monday night. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been in churches where if the wind's over about 15 miles an hour, they just cancel church. They don't want the people to blow away. And, and uh, I'm thankful for being in Minnesota. Y'all, y'all have church planned conferences during blizzards and uh, still show up. And, uh, and so that's amazing. And uh, so thanks for uh, being hungry after the presence. I love meetings like this because you wouldn't come out unless you were hungry. Right? I think there's meetings sometimes you go to and it feels like as the preacher, you have to work people up into something. But how many know we're not working our way up into something? We're just stepping into who he is. And when we step into who he is, we have access to everything uh, that he is and he has for us. I love this about the Lord. I, I, um, I was spending some time with him a while back and and uh, I just, um, it was one of those days where I didn't want anything from him. Uh, I know oftentimes we have these moments of, you know, I'm pressing into God. I, I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I believe there's miracles and breakthrough here tonight. Uh, but I, there, there's these moments that I have where I really just want him. And so I remember spending some time with him and, uh, and had cleared my schedule a little bit and uh, went to leave. And he said, please don't go. And so I cleared my schedule some more, and he said, please don't go. And after about eight hours just hanging out with the Lord, I, I felt him lift, and I went to grab the, the handle of the door, and he said, I won't let you go until I bless you. And I said, Lord, I didn't come for anything today. He said, no, you can't give something to me without me releasing something to you in return. And he said, you sought after my heart, and now I'm going to release in what's in my hand because they're connected. Can I tell you, the greatest thing you can seek is his heart. Because his heart gives access to everything else. How many know it's in God's heart to heal you tonight? It's in God, it's in his heart to, to provide for you. It's in his heart to, to, uh, to, to bless you. It's in his heart to reveal himself to you in deeper measure. I just really believe that there's an invitation deeper into the heart of God in this season like we've never known uh, or explored before. Uh, I am in a, a, a season where every um, day I realize this more and more, 
unless Holy Spirit comes, I'm dead. Unless he really breathes, unless he really comes, unless he, he takes control of this feeble man, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to say. And I think it's an amazing place to live because I've discovered this, that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures for all generations. The Lord is good. His faithfulness endures. And I feel like many of you right now, the Lord is infusing you with the endurance of heaven. There is an endurance that the Lord is releasing to us in this season. Not to give up, not to shrink back, but to actually to press in. I want to encourage you as we move into this season of the year. Oftentimes what happens is we start hitting close to the holidays and we begin to coast through the end of the year when the Lord really wants us to hit the accelerator pedal and begin to accelerate into the new year. I don't believe he's winding things down. I believe he's actually winding things up. That, that there are some supernatural, amazing encounters that he has for us in this season. Uh, it's been a, a great couple of days here, and I believe uh, that the Lord actually doesn't decrease, he increases. Uh, I believe we have an uh, assignment every time we gather together, and that's simply saying, Lord, what do you want to do? Last year, I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, we're having powerful meetings. And I remember the Sunday night, the last night of the meeting, uh, I preached a message and I went to my default button, which is prophecy. I love prophesying to people. Uh, I, I, it's who I am. It's, it flows out of me. I love that. Uh, but I went to step into that. And the Lord said, no, I'm not in the mood for that. I'm in the mood for healing. And I think what happens is we actually get accustomed in our gifting. We, we actually get used to the gifting we have when the Lord actually has even more. Okay, can I tell you something? He, he, is, he is so much more than we've ever discovered. He is so much more than, 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 we've, than we've ever dreamed or comprehended. I believe that this is a season of Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think by the power that works in us. How many know that power, that exceeding great abundant power is working on the inside of each one of us? Uh, I believe this, that the name of God declares his nature. How many know that he doesn't just heal, but he's healer? He doesn't just deliver, but he's deliverer. He doesn't just give us victory, but he is the victorious one. He, he, he is victory. He is peace. He is that. And so tonight, more than just wanting what he does, I want who he is. Because when I have who he is, I have exactly what he does. Because everything you need God to be, He already is. Everything we need Him to be tonight, He already is. One of my favorite names of God is this, El Shaddai. comes from two names, really. El, Elohim, the Creator creating. Shaddai, the many blessing one. If you literally translate it, this is what you would get. If you need something and God doesn't have it, He'll create it just for you. Seven of you are interested in that. <laughs> if you need something and God doesn't have it, he will actually create it for you. That's how powerful he is. That's how good he is. That's how great he is. That's how mighty he is. And I'm telling you right now, El Shaddai is in the room tonight. 
I believe he's going to heal, but I believe some of you are, are about to encounter creative miracles that, that God wants to create. He wants to do some things that are far beyond our wildest dreams and imagination. Uh, I, I get asked this question a lot. Does God still heal today? Or some people ask it this way. Uh, is, it God, is it God's will to heal all the time? And my answer is unequivocally, undeniably, yes. I believe that it is absolutely positively beyond a shadow of a doubt, God's will, God's desire, God's plan, God's purpose to heal all the time. Do I see it all the time? No, but I'm about to. Do, do I see it all the time? No. What do you do with that? What do you do when you don't see what you want to see? What, do you, what happens when there's a contradiction to what you're believing and what you're seeing? Go by who you know, not just what you know. He is a constant. He is who he is. I don't understand all of the ins and outs. I, I just chalk some things up to mystery when I don't see it. I was sharing with some leaders on Saturday night about an experience that I had. I was in a crash landing in an airplane in Uganda, ended up getting uh, cerebral malaria, typhoid fever. I was hospitalized for uh, uh, a, a good period of time. I had three out-of-body experiences where uh, I, I, my spirit left my body. Uh, and over a period of about six days, the Lord really brought healing to me. And in that process of being uh, being healed in that process of, uh, of God using doctors and, and miracles together. Um, I remember having this encounter with the Lord where he took me by the hand and we went flying over masses of humanity and uh, he would, we'd zone in and he would say, how are we going to win them all? And I'd pull in Ezekiel like, Lord, only you know. Uh, and he would say, here's how we're going to win them all by loving them one at a time. And and he brings me up into the boardroom of heaven. I think if you go to the throne room, you don't really want to come back. But he brought me into the boardroom, and he began to ask me questions uh, about how come I haven't done everything he's told me to do, uh, uh, written everything he's told me to write, go everywhere he's told me to go, build what he's called me to build. And I said I didn't have the time, the people, the money, the energy, all of those things. Uh, and he said, no more excuses. Uh, I think what happens is we actually step into a season, uh, we actually step in times uh, of excuses instead of giving him what he wants. And in that process, it, there was a quick repentance. He, he really healed me of unbelief and doubt concerning myself. And this is what he said to me in the process. He said, I am fully determined that you have everything that I paid for at the cross. And what I feel like the Lord is doing tonight is releasing the fullness of his determination, that he is fully determined that we have everything that he paid for at the cross. How many want that? How many want the fullness, the, everything that he's determined for you to have, how many want to possess that tonight? Come on, I believe it with all my heart. Uh, and so I believe that tonight the determination of heaven uh, is in the room. Uh, I believe there's a lot of times where people uh, don't believe that healing is for, for today because that's easy. I think sometimes people don't believe for miracles. They don't believe for healing anymore because they're more afraid of being disappointed than they are having faith for the miracle to come. 
I was sitting with uh, a pastor, a Baptist pastor friend of mine, uh, a while back, and we were sitting in this diner in Trumbull, Connecticut. And as we were talking, uh, we were having a great conversation, and he turned on me. You ever have a friend turn on you? And he said, you know the problem with you charismatic people? And I said, nope, but I bet you're going to tell me. He said, the problem with you charismatic people is that, that you put so much pressure on God that when he doesn't do what you want him to do, you walk away disappointed. So I just smiled at him and I said, do I look disappointed to you? And the Lord said these words to him. The only reason you won't believe is because you're, too disapp- you're afraid of being disappointed. When I said that, man, the guy began to weep. God healed him to the core of the inside of some ailments that he had and baptized him in the Holy Spirit, right sitting right in the, in, the, in the booth of the diner. Can I tell you something? He is greater than your disappointment. Yeah. He, he is greater than your fear. He is greater than all of those things. I said it yesterday morning. I'll say it again, and I'll shout it from the rooftops every day of my life. No more death by disappointment. No more death by disappointment. There's people who don't believe that God still heals today. And this is sometimes because of personal experience. In other words, they haven't experienced, they haven't seen it yet. And the other part is this wrong teaching. Wrong teaching. Can I, can I tell you something? Let, let me ask you a question. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe what you believe? It's either you've experienced this book as truth for yourself, you've had an encounter with God, or you're believing what some man, some woman has preached from a pulpit. And if their experience is this, this, uh, this idea that God doesn't do what's in this book anymore, you're buying into their theology. You know what theology is? Whatever you think about God. You know what perfect theology is? Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is perfect theology. I don't care what books you read. I don't care any of that stuff. Jesus is perfect theology. And whatever you read better line up with Jesus. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're pondering, whatever you're meditating on, whatever you're encountering should line up with Jesus. Does that make sense to you tonight? Come on. I really believe that um, today the Lord is, is laying strong foundation. I don't really believe in healing services or healing meetings. I believe every meeting is a healing meeting. I believe every service is a miracle service. I, I just, I come expectant for that every day. I believe every meeting is a prophetic meeting. Because God is always speaking. He's always working. Weren't we just singing that tonight? Come on, he's the way maker, the miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Can I, can I tell you something? Our, our feelings are fickle. And God is moving us out of feelings and back into faith. Well, that's good preaching. (laughs) 
Come on, I believe this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. She tells me that if he did miracles 2,000 years ago, he's doing miracles today. Would you agree with me? Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I'll also put it this way. Fear comes by hearing, hearing by the word of man, hearing by the word of doctors, hearing by the, by the word of the enemy. The only difference between faith and fear is who you're listening to. Come on, I believe this. To have faith in healing, you must hear what the Word of God says about healing. So it no longer has to be my opinion. It is no longer my opinion on healing. It's what God said. You can't improve on that. Do you understand that? In the world and circumstances and situations in which we live right now, everybody's asking, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on this marriage? What's your opinion on that societal issue? And the, the truth is, it doesn't really matter what I think. It's what the Bible says. Don't get caught up in opinion. Get caught up in truth. Come on, I believe the Lord is bringing us into the place of true truth. Jesus is both Savior. He forgives our sins, and He is healer. He heals our sickness. Psalm 103 says it like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. He forgives all our iniquities, and He heals all your diseases. Can I tell you something? Don't forget His benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Are, are you hearing me tonight? I'm not looking for an emotional response, by the way. But there should be an amen in your spirit when you hear truth tonight. Come on, I believe right now in this moment, the Lord is about to release the benefits of heaven. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Right? Come on. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. You know what I love what he says? All. I studied the word all in Hebrew, Greek, Spanish, English, and Norwegian, and a little bit of Swedish. And I realized that all actually means all. Come on. I believe we need to raise our expectation level yes. because expectation is the birthplace for, for miracles. I love this scripture in the book of Acts chapter 3. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. I believe there's an anointing dropping in this room today 
to declare to Ashby, to declare to Alexandria, to declare to Grant County, to declare to Ottertail, to declare to Detroit Lakes, to declare to Thief River, to declare all over Minnesota into North Dakota, to, throughout this region, throughout the nations of the earth, that the church should be saying to the sick, to the afflicted, to the poor, to the oppressed, look at us. Yes. When there is an anointing where God is saying, fix your eyes. Look, I'm carrying something. I'm carrying the answer for what you're struggling with. Listen, you don't need to be prophetic to know a problem. There's a problem in the earth. But you do need to be prophetic to know the answer to it. And you are the answer to what many people are afflicted with today. He said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. You know what I love about that verse? It says immediately. I like what Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have, I release to you. This might be one of the most important things I say tonight. Don't focus on what you don't have, focus on what you do have. Oftentimes we are so focused on what we don't have yet what we don't know yet. And the Lord is saying, don't focus on what you don't have, focus on what you do have. And if you don't know what you do have, then focus on who you have. Come on, I believe this. I'm going to give you tonight, as quick as I can, 15 biblical reasons why healing is God's will today. You can argue with me all you want to, but you can't argue with Scripture. The first biblical reason that I find in Scripture for healing is the compassion of Jesus. Jesus is filled with compassion. I believe one of the strongest forces in the earth today is the mercy of God. Mercy is a way out of trouble. It's a way out of something, but it's also a way into something. Mercy is my way out of sickness, but it's also in my way into healing. Makes sense to anybody tonight? And I feel the mercy of God in the room. I feel the mercy of the Lord in the room. The Bible says these words, Matthew 9, 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Jesus is moved with compassion in your circumstance and situation. He is moved with compassion for the world around us. He hasn't wrung his hands and said, well, I did the best I could do. They're on their own now. But he is moved with the compassion of a father who wants his children healed and whole. Matthew 14 and 14 says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed all of their sick. In Matthew 14, 14. A few years ago, my son Benjamin, he was about 
nine years old, getting ready to go into from, from uh, third grade into fourth grade. He came home one day and said, Dad, I don't want to go to Christian school anymore. I want to go to public school. And my kids were going to our Christian school at the church. It was a great deal because as much as I traveled, they got to come with me, and I got just what they, uh, you know, all of the assignments, and it was easier to do that way. Putting ourselves in the public school system was going to make things a little bit more difficult. And, um, and plus, you know, I like the idea of being able to shelter my kids. And the school was in a move of God, and there were times, you know, in chapel, God would show up. It was awesome. And, and I said, son, why would you want to do that? And he said, Dad, I keep getting this word that I'm light, and I don't want to be light around other light. I'm called to be light in darkness. I don't want to be light around other light because that's boring. Uh, and so um, he, one day he, he calls me and he said, Dad, uh, he said, I, I was sitting today uh, before school, and he said, I came to this scripture, the scripture I just read to you, Matthew 14, 14, where Jesus was moved with great compassion and healed all that were sick and afflicted of the devil. And he said, and that's a nine-year-old boy talking, okay? And he said, so I just asked the Lord, let me feel what you feel for the hurting people around me. And so he he, he, he prays for a teacher, and the teacher has her back healed. And he begins to step into a healing ministry at nine years old. Pretty, pretty cool. And, and, and so this whole thing, he just tapped into the compassion, the, the mercy of God. And so as he's in public school for a while, he's in the fifth grade, and um, he's Everybody's playing on the playground, and he finds this young man uh, named Donald, and Donald has dwarfism, and Donald, because of some health issues, is sitting off to the side, and Ben Lee's playing kickball with his friend, and he goes, and he hangs out where Donald is, and he starts talking to Donald, and he actually leads Donald to the Lord. A few weeks later, Donald had a brain surgery uh, and never woke up. Unfortunately, went home, passed away, uh, went home to be with the Lord. The teacher or the, the principal of the school came to the classroom to advise all the students what had happened that Donald had died. And, and as he gives them the information, one of the students says, Mr. Cooey, what happens to you when you die? Mr. Cooey was a believer, but he didn't feel like he had the permission or the freedom or the, you know, the legal rights to tell them. Uh, and so he said, you should ask your parents. And my son stood up and said, um, I know exactly what happens when you die. Donald gave his life to Jesus on the playground, which means that he's in Jesus. Uh, he's with Jesus in heaven forever. And the, the principal took my son around the school in case the question came up again. Uh, and and, and he, was, he, he was moved with this. He moves into, into middle school, and he's sitting in his classroom. They're taking a test. He finishes the test, and the Lord said, uh, I want you to pray. Uh, I want you to pray for Mr. Lowe. It was his language arts teacher. I want you to pray for, for Mr. Lowe. And um, Ben sitting in his chair, you know, like Jesus, touch Mr. Lowe, touch him, Lord, heal him, you know, whatever he needs. And the Lord said, no, I want you to go up to him and pray for him. And he said, oh, oh, oh Jesus, um, you know, he doesn't let anybody come uh, up to his desk without permission. So if you want that to happen, Mr. Lowe is going to have to say, if you have any questions or you need something, come up to the desk. And he's never done that. He said about 30 seconds later, Mr. Lowe said, anybody have any questions? Come up here and talk to me. 
So I went, and he said, what's, what's up, Ben? He said, Mr. Lowe, it's not about me. It's about you. Can I see you in the hallway? And so they step out into the hallway. <laughs> and my son, who's now like 12 years old at the moment, has, gets this word of knowledge, and the word of knowledge is this. What happened to you two years ago that broke your heart and put a big old hole in your soul? Mr. Lowe starts crying, and he said, I, I, my spouse died two years ago, and I've never been the same. And, Jesus, and, and Ben said, what if I told you I had something, rather someone, that could fill that hole in your soul and you'd never hurt again? And Mr. Lowe gave his life to Jesus in the hallway that day. And, and, and so after he gives his life to the Lord, Ben begins to pray for him. And uh, he, he said, the Lord's going to change your name from Mr. Low to Mr. High. That was just an easy one, right? <laughs> yeah. He starts ministering to him. Uh, and he said, uh, Mr. Low, I don't know fully what this means, but I feel like this is really specific for you. He said, by the end of your life, you're going to be known as a man after God's own heart. And he said, Dad, he took it out of his wallet. I said, you mean he was going to give you a love offering? And he said, he said, no, he pulled out a piece of paper that his mother wrote to him 20 years ago before, he, before she died that said these words, son, you could do what you want to. You can run, you can hide. But before the end of your life, it will be said that you're a man after God's own heart. And the guy carried it in his wallet for 20 years. What is that? It is the compassion of God, not just to heal physically, but also to heal spiritually. Can I tell you something? Often we're, we're crying out for the power of God. I love the power of God. But what would it look like if we were a church filled with the compassion of Jesus Christ? What if we were so compassionate that we released the compassion and the loving kindness of God to the world all around us? I think it would be so, so powerful. He heals biblically because out of the compassion of Jesus. Secondly, I believe that he heals because out of the goodness of the Father. How many know that song is true? He's a good, good Father. Matthew 7 and 7 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? James 1 and 17 says, Every gift, good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Listen, I believe that healing is for today because God is good and He loves to give good gifts to His kids. I believe it's really important to establish something. God is in a good mood. God is in a good mood. He's in the mood to heal. He's in the mood to heal. As a father, if my child is is is, is struggling, if my child has a fever, a sniffle, a cough, if my son or my daughter aren't feeling good, uh, out of uh, out of compassion and out of who I am as a dad, I want to do whatever it takes to see them whole. Would you agree with me? If I wasn't like that, I wouldn't be a very good dad. Would you? If God wasn't like that, I don't think he'd be good. His goodness, the goodness of God compels him to bring healing to us. Number three, I believe the willingness of Jesus. That Jesus is willing to heal. Listen to this scripture. Out of Matthew 8, 
2 to 7. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now when Jesus was, had entered Capernaum, uh, uh, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. I want you to know something tonight. No matter what your circumstance is, no matter what your symptom is, no matter what you're struggling with tonight, Jesus is willing to heal you. 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 Come on, I believe right now you can settle the issue. Lord, are you willing? The answer is yes. I believe that we know God can heal, that God has healed in the past, but sometimes we question his willingness. In John 5, and stories also in the book of Mark, when there's the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus shows up there. And as he walks uh, through the gate, there, there's the man lying there. And he said, he, he said, do you wish, do you desire to be healed today? And the man said, well, I've been here for 38 years. I've been sitting here every time. The angel comes to stir the water. Somebody gets in there faster than me. And so I still sit. I've just been staying the same. And Jesus is saying, thanks for the narrative. Thanks for, you know, the Reader's Digest version of your last 38 years. But I didn't ask for the story. I'm asking, are you actually willing to be made whole? Do you desire it? Do you want it? Right? Can, can, I, can I tell you something? God is willing. But there also has to be a desire on the inside of me to want what he wants. Let me make a very sad statement. You can choose to stay the same. You can choose to stay unhealed. You can choose to stay bitter. You can, you, you can, you can choose all of those things. And Jesus is saying, listen, despite all of your history, do you, will, do you desire, are you willing to be made whole? And the man, the man said yes, and Jesus said, arise, take up your mat. And follow me. You know what, what the pool of Bethesda, what Bethesda really means? House of mercy. I felt this really strong this afternoon. The Destiny Church is going to be known as a house of mercy. A house of mercy. You're going to, the mercy and miracles of God are going to abound here. Fourthly, healing comes because of the name of the Lord. Exodus 25 and 26 says, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments, keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Anytime you hear Him say, I am, you're not just hearing His name, but He's declaring His nature. He's not just saying, this is who I am. He's also saying, this is what I did. This is what I do. I am the Lord who heals you. 
I believe right now the name of the Lord is in this place to heal you. Yeah. Malachi 3 and 6 says, I, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus healed the sick 2,000 years ago. He's the Lord who heals us, and he still heals us today. The fifth reason that I believe biblically God heals is the glory of God. Matthew 15 and 30. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus answered in John 9 and 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. In other words, he was saying, listen, you're trying to focus on why he has going on what he has going on. But the fact of the matter is it has nothing to do with him, has nothing to do with his parents, but it has everything to do because in this moment, the glory of God is about to be revealed in the earth. Can I tell you something? We are so consumed with why somebody's hurting. We get so consumed with why somebody fell off the bike. We get so consumed with why something happened instead of actually reaching down in the midst of their mess and bringing healing before we, before we go and tell them why they're going through what they're going through. How many know he's gooder than that? He, he really is. Bad English, great theology. He's just gooder than that. I was sitting with a, a pastor who had gone through a, a very bitter, difficult divorce. His father, also a pastor, was trying to console him. And, and he, he's saying, you can't do this. And you got to stop talking about this. And, you know, you got to all. And he's like, you know, this is why it happened. And you shouldn't have done this. And this is why it happened. And I'll never forget that my, my friend, this broken man said, Dad, I don't need you to tell me why I fell off the bike. I need you to look at the scrapes and the cuts on my knee and get, get, help me get through the pain before you tell me why I fell. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want to focus on the why you're sick. He doesn't want to focus on the why that he wants to heal you and then bring correction to your life from it. How many know you won't change direction without seeing his goodness? I don't know if you're getting anything out of it, but I'm getting a whole lot. Whenever the sick were healed in the life and ministry of Jesus, people glorified God. That's why it's very important that you give God glory when you get healed. If you get healed in this meeting tonight, David Wagner didn't heal you. Steve Cornermone didn't heal you. A prayer team member didn't heal you. Jesus healed you. We're just the donkey he rides in on. We're just the coin in his pocket that he wants. He, he chooses to spend any way he wants to. Sickly, the Lord heals because he, it is, is for the sake of the, the power of the full gospel. Romans 1 and 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. I like to say it like this. I'm not ashamed of the whole gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. Come on, I believe 
when healing happens, the power of God is released so that salvation could, could be experienced in the earth. Listen, in Romans 15 and 19, it says, In mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Mark 16 and 20, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of signs. The kingdom of God is not in word only, but also in power. How many know the Bible says that the gospel is not even fully preached unless it's clothed with signs, wonders, and miracles? Don't be a naked Christian. Don't be a Holy Ghost streaker. <laughs> Walking around with your helmet of salvation and leaving everything else exposed. Come on, you should be clothed with righteousness. You should be clothed with signs, wonders, and miracles. Come on. At least seventh, that the healing anointing, it comes, that the healing anointing of his manifest presence. Listen to these words, Luke 5 and 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Luke 6 and 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. There is a healing that comes from being in God's presence. That's why worship is so important. Whether you like him, you don't like him. You, if you don't like this example, just make up another example. But in Benny Hinn meetings and his healing crusades, very few people are healed because Benny Hinn touches them or prays for them. The majority of those people that are paraded on the stage giving testimony that something was healed and something changed were healed in the parking lot, standing in line waiting to get into the event, sitting in the auditorium, in the coliseum, in the stadium, in moments of worship. Why? I believe there was a corporate faith that drew the presence of God where God just showed up himself. How many are crying out for revival in Minnesota? Here's what I believe true revival is. When God is so tired of being misrepresented, he shows up himself. He just manifests his presence and something changes. See, I, can, I, can I just say something? Oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. But I'm leaving tomorrow, so if I get in trouble, it's okay. You know, I, I like, I love children and childlike faith so much. It's because you don't have to deprogram a child to reprogram them. But when you've been in churchianity, when you've been in church for so long, you start thinking that this is how it works. I come in, there's a greeting, we shake hands, we have praise, we have worship, there's an announcement, an offering, a message. And at the end of the message, the message is on healing or the altar is opened up and they say, if you need a touch from God, there's a ministry team here to minister to you. And we wait for that time, that moment and there's nothing wrong with that per se, but we never dare press into saying, you know what, Lord, 
I'm going to worship you because of who you are, and I'm in a lot of pain right now. And Lord, I'm not going to wait for you to touch me. I'm going to actually reach up and touch you. And I believe right now that the Lord is changing our mind about things, that, that you have total access to him all the time. You've been given an all-access pass to Jesus. You're welcome. Eighthly, the Lord, it's the demonstration of his deity. Demonstration of his deity. Mark 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But that you may know that the Son of God, the Son of Man, has power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to, to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately arose, took up at the bed, and went in the presence of uh, went in the out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, "We never saw anything like this." If you're a part of this church, if you live in this community, look at me really quickly. I'm prophesying to you in the middle of this message that God is about to amaze. That God is about to display who he is in the house and in the community. And they will say these very words. We have never saw anything like this. Healing the sick proves to people that Jesus really is a living, miracle-working God. In the Bible, miracles are called signs and wonders. They are signs to point to Jesus, and they are wonders to cause people to wonder. God wants to restore signs and wonders to the church. Ninthly, God heals through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles. Faith, gifts of healings, and working of miracles are gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe you're about to see your acts of almightiness where the Lord just comes into a place and flexes his muscles. Tenthly, the Lord heals because of the name of Jesus. I read to you earlier, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and work. How many know there's still power in the name? There's no other name within heaven or under heaven or in the earth by which a man can be saved other than the name of Jesus. There's no other name in heaven or earth by which any of us can be healed other than the name of Jesus. And his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him the perfect soundness in the presence of all of you, it says in Acts 3 and 6 and 16. And John 14 and 13 says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's power in the name of Jesus. Every knee must bow, including every sickness. Your circumstance doesn't determine who God is. Your sickness doesn't change who God is. 
but God can change the circumstance and the sickness in your life tonight. The eleventh way, scripturally, biblically, you can be healed is through the prayer of faith. James 5 and 15, it says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if he uh, has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Says these words in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Examples from the life of Jesus, Matthew nine and twenty two. But Jesus turned around and said, "Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well." And the woman was made well from that hour. Matthew nine twenty eight. It says, "And when Jesus had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, "Do you believe that I am able to do this?" And they said to him, "Yes, Lord." Then he touched their eyes, saying, "According to your faith, let it be unto you." That's an interesting story to me. Bartimaeus, I'll get to that in a moment. But Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He actually appealed to the mercy that was upon who he was as a person. Son of David, he was speaking to his humanity. He was speaking to the compassion that he had. But these blind men actually said, Lord. You know what they were saying? They were putting a demand on Jesus himself saying, you are our Lord. We belong to you. We're your walking billboard. Everywhere we go, people know that we declare that you are the Lord of our life. And if you want us to stay blind and we want us to represent you blind, we will do it. But the fact of the matter, the truth is, Lord, you're so much better than that. Yeah. And basically, he was, basically they, they, they spoke to his lordship. Can I tell you something? That this region is about to see Jesus as Lord. Blind eyes are about to open. Deaf ears are about to hear. That the glory of God would be revealed. That people would see him as he really is. I believe he's not just the Savior of Minnesota. I believe he's the Lord of Minnesota. When Jesus healed the leper in Luke 17 and 19, it says, And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Twelfthly, the cry of desperation. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say in a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. That's Mark 10, 46 to 52. I love this story, and I'm going to pause here for a moment. He has a desperation connected to faith. I want you to imagine for a moment this man, Bartimaeus, born blind. He's, he lives, all of his days has lived in blindness. And the day that he lived in, he was given a garment known as the beggar's garment. Because the only expectation from society and the world and the faith community is that he was going to have to beg for an existence. And so this garment was his, actually his license to beg. And he sat in the same place day in and day out, every day doing the same thing over and over again because he was just trying to survive. Can I tell you something? The days of the church just trying to survive are over. The Lord is breaking off the beggar mentality off of the church. He's breaking off that mindset that says, we're going to have to sit here, we're going to stay in the same thing, and we're going to have to walk through the same stuff and deal with the same issues again and again and again and again until finally it all ends. 
And he sits in that same spot. But while he's sitting there, Jesus is doing things all around. And people are coming in and out of the gate of Jericho. I imagine it like this. People go out and they're in a part of the multitudes and they're watching, wow, all the blind eyes that got opened last night. Wow, all the deaf ears that were hearing last night. Wow, all of these amazing things that were happening. Oh my goodness, you know, wasn't it amazing? And, and they're talking and they're sharing testimonies every time they come through the gate. And all of a sudden, this, this Bartimaeus guy is actually listening to it and saying, I don't know when it's going to be, but there's going to come a day when Jesus is going to walk through this gate and when he walks through this gate, I'm going to cry out, and he's going to give me my sight. I think he was waiting. The Bible says one translation uses this amazing uh, description. It says that, that he perceived that it was Jesus. How many know that the, to use the word perceived is a really unusual word to use for a blind person? Because they have no sight. They have no perception. He perceived that it was Jesus. And when he did, he cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples began to warn him, be quiet. You should have been out there. You should have been at the healing meeting. You should have been at the crusade last night. You should have been there where he was, you know. But today, you know, Jesus has places to go, things to do, people to see. And he can't be moved by you right now. So shh, lower your expectation. Monday was the healing night. Miracle night was Monday. You got to wait for Sunday now. When the Bible says, but he would not, but instead cried out all the more. Look at me real quick. I don't care how anointed. I don't care how uh, knowledgeable. I don't care what THD, PhD, or whatever kind of degree they have behind their name. I don't care how many books they have, CDs they have. I don't care how popular they are on TV or the internet or YouTube. Are you hearing me? Don't let anybody talk you out of your miracle. Don't you let any religious zealot talk you out of your miracle. Don't let some religious Debbie Downer talk you out of it. When God is saying, all, uh, all of my days, I've been trying to talk you into what, what rightfully belongs to you. Are you hearing me tonight? And he begins to cry out all the more. And the Bible says these words. So Jesus stood still. I don't know you. I want to have a voice that causes Jesus to stop everything. That when I cry out, he stops in his tracks. That he stands still. I like these words. And he commanded him to be called. So the same people that said, shut up, be quiet, it's not going to happen for you tonight, were the same people that had to go and say, Jesus, I'll see you now. <laughs> I think they said it with some attitude. Be of good cheer. <laughs> Jesus, I'll see you now. And the Bible says, immediately he threw off the beggar's garment and went running to Jesus. Now that's blind faith. <laughs> He's not healed yet. He's still blind. But he says, I'm not going to need this thing anymore. And he said, this thing that's marked me my whole life will no longer mark me. The expectations of this world, the expectations of a religious system will not mark me anymore. And he throws it to the side. And the Bible says, and he went running to Jesus. How do you know where to run? 
expectation. He gets in front of Jesus. How many know Jesus is the Son of God? How many know Jesus was, um, had amazing words of knowledge? How many know that he could look at Bartimaeus and didn't even need any spiritual discernment to know that he was blind? He could see it in his eyes. He, he could see that he was blind. And yet he asked them this question, what is it that you want me to do for you? I think in that moment, he could have asked for anything he wanted. He could have asked for his gospel babe. He could have asked for his wife. He could have asked for a million dollars. He could have asked for a million shekels. He could have asked for the five-bedroom tent. He could have asked for a brand-new Cadillac camel. He could have asked for whatever he wanted in that moment. But, but he simply said, Oh, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, go, today your faith has made you whole. Something in the desperation married to the faith of Bartimaeus caused him to come in one way and leave completely different. I feel that faith in the room tonight. A wise man once said that God doesn't answer prayer. He answers desperate, persevering prayer. I'm almost done. The message of the cross. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 repeats these words. Who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree, that we might, ha having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Can I just tell you something right now? It's already a done deal. He's fully determined, because of the message of the cross, that you be healed tonight. Galatians 3 and 13 says, Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, including sickness. 14, I like this one. Healing comes biblically for the destruction of the works of the devil. If you don't want to get healed for any other reason tonight, can you just get healed because you hate the devil? <laughs> if you don't believe the other 13 points tonight, Ask people who know me in this room, this is not how I normally preach. It really isn't. But I spent time today with the Lord in the presence of God this afternoon because I believe it is so important. It is so important to marry our hearts with the word of the Lord. It is so important. Here's why. Truth, divorce from experience leaves you in the realm of doubt. But experience without truth is dangerous. You're welcome. <laughs> Acts 10 and 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I like that. When people get healed, when demons get cast out, it is a sign, it is a wonder, it is an exclamation point that God is with you. Amen. 
I love that. First John 3 and 8 says, For this purpose, so on, somebody say it, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Luke 13 and 16 says, Jesus said, Satan had a woman bound by sickness, and he came to loose her. 15, the Great Commission. Matthew 10, verse 1 and 7 and 8. And when he called his, disciples, his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And he said, and as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. He who believes and is, and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They will speak with other tongues. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Any believers in the room? Listen, I believe that the world has been Christianized. I've been in 68 countries. I know people, some people that have actually preached the gospel on every, uh, in every country of the world. I believe that the world has been Christianized. There are many Christians, but there are few believers. Are there any believers in the room today? He said, and these signs will follow they that believe. Listen, I believe right now the hand of the Lord is coming to unlock things. The hand of the Lord is coming to release miracles uh, uh, upon us like never before. I believe we're about to see it. God is about to give to you a supernatural faith to see the things that you've never, ever seen before. Come on, I believe that it's time to see what we've read about, heard about, uh, and all of that stuff in other places. It's time to see those things manifest right here in Minnesota, right here in the Midwest, right here in America. I believe right now that the Lord is about to do amazing and powerful things. I, I watched. People ask me, Dave, what was your first miracle? Here's the funny story. I want you to know that God will use whoever's available. In 1998, I'd moved to Pensacola, Florida, and uh, I followed Pastor Ballinger to a meeting uh, in, in Baymanette, Alabama, about an hour away. And... Um, I drove myself, and uh, the church van pulled up. When Jesus saved me, he, he delivered me from everything but cigarettes. I, I still was a Marlboro man. Uh, and uh, so I'm on the parking lot of the church. If you can imagine this, I'm smoking a Marlboro. And um, I see the church van pull up, and I thought, well, the pastors probably don't want to see me speak smoke. So I, I put it out under my feet, reached in the van. I always carried brute. Um, I don't know why. I just thought it covered smoke. It really didn't. Um, I think when you mix, mix the smoke and the brute, you got butt, but that's just a whole other message. And so you know, I splashed the brute on. I popped a, you know, a, a mint in my mouth, and, and uh, we go into the church, and, and all the people from the church sit up front, but I felt to kind of sit in the back 
I guess probably if I need a smoke break or something. Uh, and, and, and Pastor Ballinger is speaking and he's preaching. And I don't realize it, but this was the story about how he was about 30 minutes uh, from being done with his message. And the Lord, I was sitting back by the sound booth and the Lord started, started talking to him about having me pray for some people. And he said, God, I can't have him pray for people. I mean, I don't know. There's rumor that he was, he was crazy and just got out of an institution. And I don't really know him that much. And I just saw that he was just smoking on the parking lot. And, and you know, that wouldn't be right. And, and, and so he's kind of arguing with the Lord while he's wrapping up his message. And the Lord said, everyone needs their first time. And I was actually getting ready to leave to walk out. And he said, hey, son, come here a minute. He said, the Lord's going to give you a, a word. And and I believe the Lord's going to use you tonight. And he said, uh, just what do you see? And there was an African-American man kind of in the middle of the third row. And uh, the Lord said, tell him I'm going to give him a transfusion of the blood of Jesus. I'm going to heal his bloodstream, and I'm going to give him two brand new kidneys. I had no idea, but the man was HIV positive and was in, in kidney failure, going on dialysis multiple times a week. And that night, God completely healed him, set him free of AIDS, HIV, and gave him two brand new kidneys. It was the first miracle I ever saw for the first person I ever prayed for, for a miracle. I'm sharing that with you. I didn't have the right verbiage. I didn't know what things to quote. I just believed that God could and that God would, and I had somebody to believe in me. And I believe right now the Lord is bringing us back to a place of childlike faith. Earlier this year, I shared it a couple of times this weekend. The Lord spoke to me earlier this year that he was restoring innocence to a generation that had it stolen from them. And then he said, I want you to begin to reclaim some words that the world has stolen and corrupted and perverted. And he said, I want, you to, I want you to go back to the meaning of naive. Now, if you were asking what naive meant, I would tell you it means stupid, not very street smart. You don't really know. You're not experienced in life. But the true meaning of naive is this. So innocent-minded that you can't even comprehend perversion. Let me apply it to this message. I am so naive that I can't even comprehend that Jesus wouldn't heal everybody in the room. That's good preaching, Dave. Thank you very much. <laughs> when I got healed of malaria, they said, whatever you do, don't go, don't leave the country. And so a few weeks later, I was found myself in Mozambique. I had my daughter with me who, who actually prayed for me and really brought a lot of healing to me during the process. And uh, while I was teaching at school, she went a part of a team out that was going into the village. And she walks into a hut, and there's a young girl there, 14 years old, at the point of death because of malaria. And my daughter said to herself, I've seen this before. And in the name of Jesus, I command healing to come. And the Lord healed that 14-year-old girl right on the spot. And after about 30 minutes or an hour, her and that girl went to the next hut and prayed for a lady with blind eyes, and that lady had her eyes completely healed. Do you understand what I'm doing to you tonight? 
I'm giving testimonies of children praying for the sick because they don't know that it's not normal. I think we need to become like the early church again. When times of persecution and chaos didn't cry out for rapture, get us out of here, Jesus. But began to pray bold prayers like, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal, that we might have boldness to preach the gospel. Could it be that the Lord wants to release healing in this place? to increase our boldness, to cause his name to be famous throughout the earth. Dave, why were you quoting scripture so much tonight? Because Jesus is the word. Jesus always has something to say because he's the word. You know what Jesus never said? Come back tomorrow. Because today's the day of salvation. <laughs> Just marinate that for a moment. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for healing. Do you ever hear this saying that healing is the children's bread? If you studied it out, you know what you'd find? Innocence. The Lord is bringing us into a place of Holy Spirit innocence that is so trusting that he will because there's no doubt in our minds that he won't. I feel the presence of the Lord. All of a sudden, this hot heat just came over like the top of my head. It's gone down my shoulders. It's, it's on me right now. I'm not a big manifestation guy, but I'm just telling you that I feel the presence of the Lord to heal. The Lord's going to heal things that you can see. He's going to heal things that nobody can even see because it's such an internal thing. A few years ago, I was in Australia. I preached uh, seven meetings on a Sunday. At the end of the seven meetings, I was getting ready to leave, flying out the next morning. And uh, the pastor said, hey, I, I know you're tired. I know you're leaving in the morning, but can you go up and, and, and just exhort the young people upstairs a few minutes and you don't have to stay long, just greet them, exhort them, and then you can leave. So I went up and exhorted. I called about four or five people out, gave them prophetic words, and was getting ready to shut it down and, and go. 
because I had to leave the house about 4.30 in the morning to go to the airport to fly home. And uh, all of a sudden, the Lord said, don't leave until you give everybody in the word uh, in the room a word. And there were 120 people, and we were in an upper room, so I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> so in my natural mind, I, f I, I reasoned it this way. The only way I can get through all these people in this amount of time would be like one word, like righteousness, peace, joy, like, you know. But like three minutes in to the first word, you know, I realized it's going to be a long night. At 3.30 in the morning, there was this young lady there. There's three people left. And I stood in front of her, and the Lord said, tell her I want to heal her scars. And I interpreted whether I was tired or I wanted to help God or, or what. I interpreted it like this. The Lord wants to heal the scars in your heart because that would be easy. And the Lord stopped me. He said, that's not what I said. Tell her I want to heal her scars. And I said, honey, the Lord wants to heal your scars. And as soon as I said that, she goes, my arms are burning. My arms are burning. She rolled up her or hoodie, and all of a sudden we saw like hundreds and maybe a thousand cuts completely heal and disappear where she had been a cutter. He's the God of creative miracles. Amen. He's the Lord who is present to heal. That night, we went to... Um, at the end, they, they said, hey, will you go to Macker's with us? That's what they call McDonald's. And I said, just enough time to make one more bad decision before bed. Uh, and, and, we, and we went. And, and so I have these three people that gave their life to the Lord that day, including this woman who had her arms healed, another heroin addict who actually had his track marks healed that night, and an alcoholic that came in completely drunk. And when, he, when we left the meeting, he was completely sober. And so I go to Macker's with, the, with another leader, with a pastor and these three new converts. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, the, the girl had her arms healed, goes up to a policeman and his partner who are, who, are, who are on security detail there. And she said, hey, what's wrong with your back? She gets a word of knowledge, doesn't know what it's called, hadn't been through my spiritual, uh, you know, spiritual gifts class yet. Because, um, hey, what's wrong with your back? And the guy goes, I've had three surgeries, I need a fourth, I have the fourth. I'm actually going to have, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. She goes, well, I just believe Jesus can heal you. And she stretches up her hand, puts her hand on his shoulder. He falls out under the power of God. His partner goes for his gun. Like, what'd you just do to my, uh, why'd you tase my partner? But, but he gets up and his back is completely healed. The heroin addict who just got saved about an hour and a half prior starts doing something really weird. Starts going, who in here has never smelt the fries? You've never smelt the fries. <laughs> and the manager at McDonald's said, I was born without taste buds or a sense of smell. I've never smelt or tasted the fries. So the guy goes up and he orders a large fry, hands her a $20 Australian bill to pay for the fries. And as soon as she takes the, the, the bill from his hand, she goes, oh, I can smell the fries. I can smell the fries. <laughs> and she eats the fries that the guy bought. <laughs> now my theology is getting a little bit messed up. Because <laughs> he was just a heroin addict an hour and a half ago. She was a cutter less than an hour ago. By the time we left McDonald's, there were literally people laid out in the parking lot. We were putting those orange cones around them. It, it looked like a Holy Spirit crime scene. 
Do you know what happened? God showed up himself in such a way that they would never doubt his existence again. Final story. Maybe. No, final story. (laughs) I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was doing a seminar on the gifts of the Spirit. And um, a little church in the country. This couple was near the church, had been there for about six months, invited some friends. It was going to be their first time there. They went out to eat. After going out to eat, they're driving to the church, and they see a guy walking along the side of the road, and they decide to invite him to church. When they invite him, they say, hey, do you want to come to church with us? He gets in the car, says, sure. And as soon as they pull away, they realize there's a huge problem. This guy is completely drunk. Uh, and demonized, and he has peed himself and vomited on himself, and he's talking to himself, and they're like, oh my goodness, you know, now we got a drunk guy in the car, we're bringing him to church. The people in the front seat are, you know, thinking, we, I can't believe we're bringing these people who invited a drunk guy, um, and the people in the back seat are like, our friends aren't going to ever have us go again, and so they kind of come up with a plan. They'll get to the church, they'll call a cab, and they'll get this guy into the cab, and then they can they can leave. You know, he'll leave and, you know, the moment will be saved. And so they pull into the parking lot and the guy opens the door, runs out of the car, runs into the church, hooks a, hooks a right out of the foyer into the sanctuary, comes to the front of the church, falls on the floor and starts weeping. Now, a nice elder realizes we're about to start church and you can't have a drunk, demonized guy crying out to God at the altar. And so he picks him up and brings him to the back. And so I'm actually in the, in the, in the kitchenette part of the church drinking some coffee. And this guy, Jack brings this other guy in this drunk guy in. And I said, Hey man, what's your name? And Jack said, don't, don't worry, brother Dave, I got this all figured out. And you know, we're going to get him some coffee, get him cleaned up out of the, you know, the, the clothes, uh, you know, the clothes thing, our clothes ministry we got. And I'm gonna call him a cab and get him out of here. We'll be all right. I said, that's not what I asked. So what's his name? So what's your name? He said, my name is Christopher Acornstock. Cherokee Indian. That's how he he addressed himself or identified himself. And I said, hey, Christopher, how would you like to be my guest of honor tonight? And so I bring Christopher into the meeting. I sit him on the front seat of the front row right next to me. And in the middle of worship, you know, he's doing all kinds of weird things. While I'm speaking, he's falling out of his chair. He's, uh, Snoring, not because of my preaching, but but snoring because he's drunk and falls asleep. He acts like he has Tourette's. He just yells out cuss words randomly. And all of the church people are squirming. And I'm a little nervous myself, to be honest. (laughs) And as this guy is acting up while I'm teaching, Jesus keeps speaking to me. Isn't it great? (laughs) Isn't it great? And I'm thinking, kind (laughs) of. I said, uh, yeah, it's great. What, what's so great about it? That's what Jesus said. Isn't it great? He doesn't know how to behave in church yet. And I did my little teaching. And at the end, I said, Christopher, you want to give your life to Jesus? And he said, sure. And so I made him lift his hands because unless it looks like a, you know, at least like you're being held at gunpoint, it's not really salvation. Uh, and and he, he prays the prayer and falls to the ground. Three demons come screaming out. He gets up off the floor and goes, hey, where'd my buzz go? Ah, forget it. This is better. Shakarama, sandarama, sandarama, say. 
And I was a little offended because I wasn't teaching on tongues until 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> and then he starts really freaking me out. He starts prophesying to me. I said, God's going to take you back to your roots, the place where your grandfather came to America. I see windmills on fire, wooden shoes on fire. God's going to take you to the Netherlands. You're going to see a move of God among the people that your ancestors came to America from. And then he starts singing some prophetic song. It was the wildest, craziest thing I ever saw. So after church, we went to IHOP, not International House of Prayer. We were done being spiritual. We were hungry. Uh, and so we went to IHOP, and, and, and all of a sudden, these guys walk in from a very famous Christian university, um, and they're drunk. And they're throwing their napkins, and they're throwing stuff, and they're being belligerent to waitresses. And Christopher gets up from the table and goes over to the guys, puts his hands on the table, and just starts telling them what happened to him. And the guys start weeping and giving their life to the Lord, got completely sober, right in IHOP. The next morning, we went to the church, uh, and Christopher was waiting for us at 9 in the morning with 40 of his newest friends. Some of them had grass in their hair. Some of them had rocks in their elbows. And I said, man, what happened? He said, oh, I couldn't go to bed after what happened to me last night. He said, so I just went and found people like me. Some people couldn't walk here, so I just rolled them. <laughs> In a moment, a demonized alcoholic became a missionary. In a moment, he became an evangelist. In a moment. And I'm telling you right now, you better get ready for people who don't know how to behave in church yet. Because the word's going to get out. You can get healed here. You can get delivered here. That there's mercy here. That God's about to pour out his spirit and his heart here. Now, I'm just telling you right now. The presence of the Lord is, is, is mighty to heal. He's mighty to heal. He's mighty to heal. In case you think you're too old for a miracle, one final story, maybe. I keep putting the maybe thing so you don't think I'm lying to you. I was in the Netherlands fulfilling that word that the drunk guy gave to me. We're walking through the streets, walking through a park. There's a 92-year-old man sitting on a park bench smoking a pipe. I started talking to him and realized he'd known the Lord his whole life. And he was just hanging out. And he told me they had stage four cancer. And uh, he had probably didn't have very much long to live. And I, I wanted to be pastoral and just pray, you know, Lord, give him peace and comfort and let, let it be painful. And the Lord just asked this question. Whoever said you're too old for a miracle? And that day I prayed for him. We prayed for him as a team. And the Lord came and healed that man. And today he's 96 years old, still serving Jesus, still strong. Because you're never too old for a miracle. I could tell you story after story. We could be here until Jesus comes. We could be here until t tomorrow. But the fame and the glory of God is going to go through the earth. Because we're going to begin to have so many testimonies. If I were you, I would get a book. And I would start writing down testimony week after week after week. And those testimonies will become prophecies. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
I believe the Lord's marrying two anointings in this house. I, there's so many more, but, but can I tell you, there's two things that I believe are going to be significant in this next hour. He is marrying the prophetic and the healing gifts together. The prophetic is going to bring healing, and healing is going to stir up the prophetic giftings. Do you believe that with me tonight? Yes. Dave, you just shared a lot of foundational stuff, I know. Because we need to keep going back to the foundation of our faith. We live in a world, we live in a community that need true truth. Okay, this would be my final story. But, but you need to hear it, because I, I just triggered it with what I just said. There's a pastor in Pensacola named Dan Livingston. Dan Livingston and his, his wife were also great. Uh, they weren't just great leaders and pastors. They were also foster parents. And they took um, in kids, often difficult kids. And so they, um, one night they got a phone call from the, the sheriff's department. There had been a home invasion. And some gunmen came into a house. They got the wrong house. They shot a mother and two, uh, two children. And the two youngest children went hiding under a bed. They were immigrants from Laos, from Southeast Asia. They spoke no English. Dad was out fishing on a fishing boat uh, and couldn't keep the kids. And, and so they got put in the care of Pastor Dan and his wife. As they put the baby, the, the boy and the girl, um, in, Tommy and Olivia, in the care of Pastor Dan uh, and his wife, um, uh, Pastor Dan and his wife raised them up. They adopted them, and they were working the church. So Tommy was in youth ministry and worship ministry, uh, and the, the girl was also on praise and worship team and taught in kids' church. And uh, they grew up in God, everything, you know, God did an amazing thing. On Thanksgiving uh, of 2013, um, Tommy was riding his motorcycle on Thanksgiving Day, a beautiful day in Pensacola, 78 degrees on Thanksgiving. You're welcome. Um, driving his motorcycle, doing the speed of them about 45 miles an hour. A car pulled out in front of him. Tommy hit it, went over the top, had all of the, the, the helmet, all the gear on, went over, but he broke about 32 bones in his body. Uh, they brought him to the hospital. They put, I don't know how many surgeries, 30-some surgeries, put all the bones uh, together. They did everything they could, but according to the machines and to, to, to the medical community, uh, Tommy was brain dead. And they would come in and they would say, Pastor Dan, we've done everything that we can do. Uh, but your son isn't going to live. There's no brain activity. We fixed his bones, all of that. And Dan said it like this. Doc, what you said to me is true. I can't deny the fact that my son was in a horrible accident, that he broke all of those bones, that he had all of the surgeries, that you removed his spleen, that he broke those things and you repaired them. There's no, I can't deny the fact that it's true, that I look at the monitors and I realize that your, your machines are breathing for my son right now. I know that's true. I can't deny the fact that you've done all of these things uh, and nothing changes for him. I know that it's true that you're saying that he's brain dead. What you say to me is true, but it's not the truth. Because the truth is my son will live and not die. He'll declare the word and the works of the Lord. And every day they would come in and say, you got to pull the plug. You got to pull the plug. And he would say, what you're saying to me is true, but it's not truth. And one day, Dan grabbed a hold. He's reading through the Psalms, and he, he sees this word jump out of, of the text. It's a word that you'll find throughout the Psalms in different areas called Selah. We say, think about it, ponder it, meditate on it. But he studied it out and found that it actually means this. Selah actually means a comma. 
where man puts in a period and says it's over, God puts in a comma and says to be continued. So day after day, he's saying what you're saying is true, but it's not the truth. My son will live and not die. Got close to Christmas. They said, we're not going to make you do it at Christmas, but shortly after, you got to remove him from life support. We need the bed. You're running out of resource. Insurance is, is running out, all of that. And he would say, what you're saying to me is true, but it's not the truth. Then after Christmas, they, they were sitting there. Pastor Ballinger was in the room. And they went there, and they, Pastor Ballinger and Dan were, were praying over his son. And doctor came in and said, have you done what we th- considered what we've talked about, about pulling the plug? And Dan said, what you say to me is true, but it's not the truth. My son will live and not die. And the man tried to use Dan's own messages against him and said, don't you, I hear you're a great preacher. I hear you, you know, you say, if you know Jesus, when you die, go to heaven. So why not let your son go to where you preach to? And he said, what you say is true, but it's not the truth. My son will live and not die, I prophesy. And the guy just was, I don't think he was being belligerent. I think he was just trying to drive the point home. And he said, let me prove it to you, Dan. And he went over to Tom and he took his finger and he said, this is just your son's shell. He's not in here. Dan said, what you say to me is true, but it's not the truth. My son will live and not die. He said, look at me, Dan. Your son is not in here. And as soon as the doctor's finger hit Tommy's chest, Tommy reached up and grabbed a hold of his finger and opened his eyes. Six months later, after going through rehab, he walked across the stage of our, our desk in front of, new, of, our, of our church, in front of news media and everything. I don't think faith denies, that a pro, denies the fact that a problem exists. I just think it actually removes the, the power of that problem to have authority in your life. And this is a season not just to go by what's true, but to let truth reign in your life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is a spiritual true north that he's bringing us to. Healing is your truth tonight. Your miracle is your truth tonight. Who's ready to receive that? I believe right now in this place, if you need healing in your physical body, Jesus the healer is here. You may be asking, you may have seen me preach one way yesterday and now you watch me do something different tonight. Dave, why were you reading all of those scriptures? Because he watches over his word day and night and he's careful to perform it. It also takes all the pressure off of me. Because I'm not a prophetic performer. I can't perform his word. He has to. If Holy Spirit doesn't show up, like I said he will tonight, nothing will happen. But if he shows up, everything will change. And it's not a matter of if he will show up. He's already here. He's been watching over every word I spoke, every word I read. We need to know the word. We need to know what God said. Or we'll get caught up on what everybody else says. 
the healers here. I felt this really strong all weekend. I felt like the Lord said he's healing the broken heart tonight. He's healing broken hearts tonight. Tonight, he's healing every place that your heart has been broken because of disappointment or delay or broken relationships or hope deferred. He's healing that broken heart tonight. I believe that tonight, the Lord is about to set people free from depression, oppression, and suicidal thoughts. I believe he's breaking the spirit of suicide off of the region. I believe tonight God is healing lungs and respiratory systems. Two years ago, I, had, I, I ended up with uh, pneumonia three times. And I went to a doctor who's a spirit-filled guy the third time. And I said, Doc, I keep getting sick. I keep getting this. I don't know what's happening. And he said, what are you grieving? Or what haven't you grieved? Because grief is stored up in the lungs. And I got healed of grief. And then I got healed of pneumonia. And for the last two years, I haven't even gotten a cold. Why am I saying this to you? Because if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Because he is no respecter of persons. I heard these words this afternoon. Cataracts are going to melt like wax. I feel there's an anointing to heal eyes today. I feel like there's somebody in the room that in your right ear, your hearing is down to about 40% and God is healing you completely tonight in Jesus' name. I believe that the Lord is about to heal blood pressure disorders, heart palpitations, murmurs being healed right now in Jesus' name, diabetes being healed right now in Jesus' name. The Lord is, the Lord is rewiring nervous systems tonight, rheumatoid arthritis, inflamed nerves, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, pain, being healed tonight in Jesus' name. He's healing brains, blood, and bones tonight. Joint pain. I command the spirit of pain to leave right now in Jesus' name. I release divine order into every life, into every body. In Jesus' name. I break off the blockages to healing right now in Jesus' name. One of the saddest moments of my life in ministry was I prayed for this man, George, in Connecticut at stage four cancer, and God completely healed him. Six months later, the cancer came back worse than the first time. Prayed for him again, and God completely healed him. Six months later, cancer came back worse than the first two times. Literally had days to live. They called me up, and I couldn't go, but I called. As I'm praying for him, the Lord said, tell him if he'll forgive his father, I'll heal him, and he'll keep his healing this time. And I said, George, I really felt like if you'll just forgive your father, uh, you, you won't just get healed, but you'll keep your healing this time. And George said, I would rather die 
and forgive that man. And six days later, I was at his funeral. I am fully convinced that George did not die of cancer, but he died of unforgiveness. And the Lord is breaking the bitter root and the unforgiveness off of people tonight. I believe right now in Jesus' name, he's healing you of bad blood between you and an ex-spouse. I believe he's healing you of of hateful thoughts because of people who abused you. I release that. I believe tonight the Lord is healing people of trauma in Jesus' name. I believe that the Lord is touching and healing kidneys tonight and that the cleansing streams of your body are about to be completely healed in Jesus' name. I believe that somebody's going to get a brand new liver tonight. I believe that the Lord is healing. I believe right now in Jesus' name that the Lord is healing a liver tonight in this place, in Jesus' name. I felt like the Lord said that he's healing a hernia tonight, and literally I just saw it being like a hiatal hernia, like up on the top of the stomach. And I believe right now that God is healing it in Jesus' name. I believe that he's healing people of of GI tract issues, of ulcers, of acid reflux right now in Jesus' name. And I also believe that he's healing uh, he, he, healing somebody of, of, of IBS, of, of irritable bowel syndrome right now in Jesus' name. I restore the order of God to your physical body. I release right now healing into every cell, skin cells, blood cells, brain cells in Jesus' name. I release a regeneration of the blood of Jesus. I command, uh, uh, I command right now cysts to melt like wax in Jesus' name andrometriosis to go in Jesus' name. But I believe right now that the Lord is doing an amazing work. I, somebody that's flat-footed, God's going to create arches in your feet uh, in Jesus' name right now. What I thank you right now that even somebody that's having difficulty moving their hand, that Lord, that right now strength would come, inflammation would leave in Jesus' name. I was with a friend of mine. We were flying on an airplane between Colombia and Venezuela. And um, uh, we got upgraded to first class. And I heard as we were up in the air, I was just kind of closing my eyes, leaning back in the seat. And my friend was two rows in front of me and he just started praying in tongues. And I knew he was going to cause an international incident. Uh, and he just said, uh, who up here speaks English? So I said, I do. And he said, not you, stupid. Uh, and he... Uh, and the lady next to him said, well, I'm an interpreter. And he said, can you ask him what's wrong with his hand, the guy across the aisle? And the guy said, I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a soap opera star. I do my own stunts. And I went through a, a plate glass window, and I severed the nerves uh, in, in my hand. And I can't close it, make a fist, and it's in pain. And he said, uh, can you ask him if he believes Jesus can heal him? And uh, the lady said, I can't ask him that because I'm an atheist. And my friend is like a redneck, and so he paused for a moment, and he goes, hmm. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I just asked Athos, the god of atheism, if you can ask him. And he said it was all right. <laughs> and, she, and she literally went for it and asked him, do you believe that God can heal you? And he said, see, me as Catholico, I'm a Catholic. Yo creo milagros. I believe in miracles. My friend reached across the aisle, grabbed his hand, and all of a sudden the guy said, fuego en mi mano, fuego en mi mano. And God completely healed his hand right on the spot. I looked at the guy next to me, and and the Lord said, tell him by the time he lands in in Bogota, uh, his wife is going to have a brand new heart. 
And I said, by the time we land in Bogota, your wife's going to have a brand new heart. And he said, how do you know my wife? And he said, I just received a phone call. I'm a, I'm a diplomat from Colombia to Venezuela. They called me this morning. My wife's had a massive heart attack. They're just keeping her alive till I get there. But they say there's no hope. And I said, by the time you land, your wife's going to get a brand new heart. And so we prayed together. As you're getting off the plane, I said, I'm going to pray for your wife. And he said, no, you don't understand. You're coming with me. And, and, and I don't know what that does for you, but parts of me tightened up really good. Uh, and, and they brought me and my friend, put us in blacked out SUVs, drove us to a hospital. And when we got to the hospital, this man's wife was sitting up and the doctors were scratching their head, pointing to all kinds of charts saying, we don't understand it. A miracle has taken place somehow between eight o'clock this morning and now there's a miracle like God has given her a brand new heart. The whole family gave their life to the Lord. The doctors gave their life to the Lord because of one miracle. And you say, well, that's because you're a prophet. You're in full-time ministry. Absolutely not. I'm just a normal Christian. If you're a full-time Christian, you're in full-time ministry. And the Lord wants to bring us into a place where everybody gets to play, where everybody gets to step out, where everybody gets to, to stretch forth their hand to bring healing. If I called something out by word of knowledge tonight that, that, that you're saying this is what is going on with me tonight, or you grabbed a hold of it for, for a family member, somebody you love, I want you to stand to your feet right now. How do you get healed? Same way you got saved. You believe and you receive. You believe and you receive. Come on, I believe right now. You may say, well, I don't have the faith for it. Jesus does. I start off by saying Jesus is fully determined that you have everything he paid for at the cross. He's really that good. I believe some of you right now, the touch of heaven, the touch of God's coming upon you. Somebody with pain, an L4, L5, sciatic nerve issues, God's healing you right now. If that's you, if you're not already standing, I'd stand up, lift your hands. I felt like the Lord said a right shoulder and like rotator cuff. And I felt like the Lord's just healing right now. Dave, what are you doing? Are you calling out things randomly? No, I'm just hearing what the Lord is saying and I'm just declaring it over you. There's something that happens with words of knowledge connected to healing. He reveals to heal. Lord, I declare that this house would be a cancer-free zone. In Jesus' name. That if people walked in with cancer, they'd walk out without it. Lord, I declare right now, healing is the children's bread. Healing is the children's bread. Lord, right now, right now, in Jesus' name, In Jesus' name. I want you to focus your faith on him.
want everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that I'm the healed of the Lord because you're my healer. I thank you for healing and that healing belongs to me. And I receive it tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. If there's something physically that you can test right now, if there's a pain, if you weren't able to move a certain way, I want you to check it out. I want you to test it. I want you to try to do something you hadn't been able to do in a, in a while. I want you to I want you to check the place of pain. I believe some things we can know right now, some things you know have to be have to be walked out. Did anybody feel pain leave your body or you have less pain than when we started tonight just lift your hand just begin to wave your hands if that's you just put your hands up if that's you just begin to wave your hands all over the room I started this way on purpose because sometimes Jesus wants to do it himself if you're around somebody that's standing right now I want you to lay your hands on their shoulder. And I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to be the hands, the feet, the mouth of Jesus. If you're around somebody that's standing, I want everybody to have somebody praying for them right now. Come on, begin to pray as if it were your own family member. Pray like you'd want somebody to pray for you. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this amazing daughter tonight. You keep praying. You keep praying for the person you're with. Father, I thank you right now for this amazing daughter tonight. Lord, I thank you that healing belongs to her. Lord, I thank you for the way that she believes. Lord, I thank you for the way that, Lord, she's counted it all joy. Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, tonight, Lord, you're doing a, a, a work uh, that's going to begin to dumbfound uh, uh, the, the natural mind, that, Lord, you're going to do a work that begins to cause people uh, to question why they ever even doubted in the first place. Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, you're the Lord who heals. It's who you are. Lord, I thank you for the miracle in her that no man will ever take the credit or the glory for. Lord, I thank you for the things that you want to do yourself. Lord, I thank you right now for the reconnections. I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like that rewiring thing was really a specific word for you. And I just feel like even right now, in the name of Jesus, the Lord's going to cause you to have sensation. You're going to get regain feeling in places. You're going to begin to gain movement in places. And Lord, I thank you right now now 
that even as she sleeps, Lord, you're going to begin to heal her. Lord, I thank you right now. I don't know how to explain it, but I saw you having dreams about running. I saw you having dreams about dancing. I saw you having dreams, and I felt like the Lord said, even as you're dreaming about it, God's going to do it. And Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, for the amazing gift that this woman of God is. Lord, I thank you for her story. Lord, I thank you for the way that she counts it all joy, for the divine ability of God in her. Lord, I thank you for the little girl in her lap. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of the gifts of healing in her life. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, this little girl even represents the miracles of God. Lord, I thank you right now for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord, upon this family. Lord, I thank you for this amazing son. Lord, I thank you that he's a good protector. But I just saw you just holding up a shield, defending and protecting people. Lord, I thank you that he's like a modern-day David, Lord, I thank you for all the, the tricks he's going to do with you, all of the things that he's going to be able to, to accomplish. All right. I, I, I don't want to call you uh, somebody who's daring, but I felt like there is this, uh, this, this, this longing for adventure in you. And uh, Lord, buddy, I just feel like it, the anointing of the conqueror is upon you to conquer everything that gets in your way. And uh, Lord, I just thank you right now for the peace of God for the peace of God. Lord, right now, Lord, in this meeting, through the night, in her sleep, over the next few days, weeks, and months, Lord, I pray right now for the manifestation of your miracle. Lord, you said that I could lay my hands on the sick, that they would recover. Lord, you said that I could pray the, pray, pray the prayer of faith, and people would be healed. You said that if I believe, that I would lay hands on the sick, that they shall recover. Not if. You said that it would, Lord. It was an absolute. And Lord, I don't know how you do everything you do, but Lord, I just know you do what you do and that you are who you are. And Lord, right now I'm asking that, Lord, that you would release miracle upon miracle. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, don't stop. Don't stop praying right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, I release faith in the room. I release faith in the room right now in Jesus' name. Supernatural strength, supernatural grace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just everybody stay where you're at. Let's do this again. How many of you right now, you feel something different since we started praying tonight? You feel something to just begin to raise your hand, begin to, to lift your hand, begin to, to wave it right now. Lord, right now. Everybody in the camouflage, what, what happened? Back in pain, back in leg pain. Is it all gone or just partly gone? 50%, 60%. 80% gone. All right. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you don't just do it part way. You do it all the way. And so, Lord, I release healing, 100% healing right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the way you love her. I saw the Lord putting his foot down where you're concerned, simply saying enough is enough. It's been one thing after another, after another, after another. And I saw the Lord changing the cycle where it goes from one thing after another to one miracle after another, one blessing after another. That There is a turnaround moment for you. A turnaround moment for you. 
a turnaround moment for you. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, she's blessed beyond any curse. Lord, I break off false guilt and shame that 